0: and welcome to DigFin Vox, Voices in Digital Finance. I'm your host, James DiBiaseo. If you enjoyed the program, give us a like, share, subscribe. This episode of Vox is a double header. My guests are Klaus Christensen of Know Your Customer and Jacqueline Pang of RTS Global. As RegTech co-founders, they are helping financial institutions with different aspects of automating compliance. With regulations changing and banks' ability to manage both fintechs and new technology changing, it can get complicated. Jacqueline Pang and Klaus Christensen, welcome to DigFinVox. Thanks for having us. We're going to talk about regtech today, but regtech is a pretty big topic. And I wanted to, as we're going into the new year, whether you call it 2024 or year of the dragon, I wanted to get sort of a, a big picture sense of where are we really with uh, bringing software and automation into various aspects of compliance and, and helping firms stay on top of uh, what's always a moving target, right? So with, with us uh, today for this discussion, I've invited Klaus who's based in Hong Kong and in Dublin Uh, who is um, co-founder of Know Your Customer, which is all about knowing your customer. Uh, And then Jacqueline Pang joining us from Singapore, where she is co-founder of um, RTS Global, which is all about uh, reporting, automating reporting, making it super smooth for firms to go about their business, getting all that back office reporting uh, done in in an efficient way. So different aspects of what RegTech is all about. Um, so we're going to hear a little bit about their stories, uh, and, and then we're going to dive into the trends for this coming year. So uh, Jacqueline, why don't we start with you? Uh, very quickly, you can introduce your firm way better than I can, but RTS, uh, you've been running this thing for about six years. You've got a background in financial services, operations, and compliance. You've worked for asset managers, insurers. Uh, so just give us a quick update on where you are with Artius and the reporting side of RegTech.
1: Yeah, so thank you very much, uh, James, for, for this invite. And um, Arteus Global is a RegTech uh, with a flagship solution that simplifies basically shareholding disclosure. And we also cover other regulatory regimes such as ESG. I think today uh, we are in a very privileged space of, you know, engaging with some of the larger financial institutions in this part of the world and uh, having that privilege of, you know, getting insight into their regulatory concerns for the future as well. So um, we are based in Singapore um, with a footprint that's global. And yes, we're looking very much uh, forward to this discussion we're going to have today. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Jacqueline and Klaus. Uh, your background—you've been co-founder of uh, Know Your Customer for about eight years, and for that, you look like you've got more of a technology background rather than a financial services one. So, uh, just give it—give us a brief intro.
2: Well, starting from a tech background is the wrong thing, I can tell you. Okay, that's the the, the wrong starting point. <laughs> uh, but yes, that's where I'm coming from. And my co-founder has a legal background. I have a degree in computer science. Uh, we founded KYC in 2015 in Hong Kong after, yeah, coming across that problem in, in a different scenario and really seeing a, a big opportunity there. But uh, eight years later now, we're also present in Singapore. Uh, we've always been dual Europe and Asia. So we have always had the Dublin uh, office. And mm-hmm. we're also now present with subsidiaries in Shanghai and in London. Um Over a thousand users use the platform at the moment across 74, I think, 75 clients um, from from different sectors. I think 11 or 12 different sectors, Uh, both Europe and Asia. We're very strong in Hong Kong, obviously quite strong in Singapore. Uh, In Hong Kong, two out of the top five banks uh, who don't allow me to name them um, users and one out of the top three credit card issues there for merchant onboarding. Uh, and we recently signed the top Singaporean bank. I'm not saying their name. <laughs> um, and, uh, so the name. And so the ride has been wild over the past eight years. It's not been easy all the time. I don't know, Jacqueline, how your journey was. It was a typical, like, up-and-down roller coaster, uh startup journey that we've had, maybe because of of the, the starting points in technology and not knowing so much about our customers, uh, maybe for just the reasons of, of the environment and uh, funding and all those things that will happen to you. Uh, but it has been ultimately a, a really interesting journey. I've had, I like, I never learned as much as in the past eight years. Uh, every year was completely different in, in my company.
0: Yeah, I like how know uh, your customer didn't actually know its customers. <laughs>
1: That's, That's a typical time.
2: question that an investor would ask. Do you know your customers? Yes, we do.
0: But okay. But you've learned them, obviously. Um, yes. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little... So, Jacqueline, you know, I want this conversation to be kind of forward-looking, but obviously we're all built based on an accumulation of experience of what's been happening. COVID was a big game-changer across the board for many institutions, of course. Um, but, you know, Klaus to a reference, you know, a bit of that, that starter... Uh, startup founder journey. Um, where where do you see right now, Jacqueline, with um, you know reporting and uh, is it changing? Uh, is your business changing? Are the needs of the clients changing?
1: So I think the demand for Regtech has not abated. I mean, honestly, are you seeing any reprieve from regulatory um, demands from regulators across the world? I don't think so, right? And we are still seeing a pretty strong momentum decide, uh, despite the uh, economic forecast that looks, you know, that's all gloom and doom. And we are seeing a momentum to leverage on technology for rec reporting, mm. right? There's also that the, the trend of naming and shaming financial institutions continue, right? And no financial institution wants to be named by a regulator, right. and hence, you know, Reap adoption has become uh, a trend today and and, rec- and financial institutions are really much more open and proactive in investing in, in solutions like ours right yeah. In Asia yeah, I think it is one of the most challenging re- regions in the world to be regulatory compliant due to fragmentation of re- regulations um, So for example if you're in the US or in the EU, you basically have to comply with one set of recs. Whereas in Asia, each market can be completely different from another, right? right? Um, And I think um, besides fragmentation, right, there are a number of other factors we are seeing that is driving this trend. Okay, one of them clearly is data complexity, higher data volume and granularity, right? And the sheer volume of regulations, which I've already spoken about, we are seeing over 200 plus, right, new regs every day globally. And manual compliance is really becoming unsustainable. Tight timelines, that's another, another challenging one, right? Given these the tightness of deadlines across multiple jurisdictions, having an efficient efficient mechanism with end-to-end automation is becoming a fundamental actually. Yeah. You know, and these efficiency gains that we are seeing with the use of technology is something that FIs are increasingly valuing.
0: Right. right? But and, I think if but but I think if we'd had this conversation when you first started RTS, it would have been that that part would have been the same, right? I mean, that that that's the the fun, fundamental case for why we need reg tech and why banks and others are onboarding reg tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but I'd like to get a sense of, you know, you, you specialize in one part of what is a broad category, but I'd like to get, just get a sense of, you know, are, what, what is the way that you're engaging? Is it changing the way when you engage with uh, banks, insurance companies, asset managers, um, the way they're using it, the, the way they integrate it, what they're willing to pay for it. Um, you know, how, how are these things changing right now?
1: So I think in general, we are seeing that financial institutions are becoming more comfortable with outsourcing. The other trend we are seeing is managed services. So I'll talk a little bit about that right later on, you know within the um, you know we're seeing banks struggling, for example, to actually maintain their knowledge base in-house. So with all these challenges, you know, in the forefront, right, um, there's an openness to, towards managed service, right? Not just hosting on cloud, but also buying services that will help them with change. And for example, with uh, scanning the horizon, right, for rec changes and keeping up with that. So part of the services that... We today have evolved right to met to provide for our clients would include keeping up with regulatory changes, even training and supporting regulatory change management. So for example, helping clients with their testing, right? Because we understand the ranks uh deeply and we are okay. subject matter experts. Yeah. So their yeah. clients courses can be more flexible and easily deployed, right? Especially to su- support their core businesses.
0: So there's almost like a consulting aspect of what you do when you bring in the, the tech. Yeah. And is that growing? I mean, Klaus, maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, that that more human side of the business. Uh, what, what kind of changes are you seeing in the way you, you deal with your customers?
2: Dealing with, with our customers has always been a challenge because we're a startup. We're a tech company and fundamentally different from uh, the uh, organizations we try to sell to. They are 120 years old. They have 70,000 employees. Uh, we're now eight years old, and we have seventy employees. Um, so it's 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 a very different. We're literally one thousand times bigger than we are, right. and uh, with with all that it comes a different culture. Uh, there's eleven levels of management in HSBC. Um, that that sort of thing to navigate that is is very difficult. So that was one of the the tall issues. I think it is for any tech company entering this space. Uh, Rectech has inherently this this tension built into it that you're a tech company and you're trying to, if you want to go after the best customers, uh, trying to sell into tier ones. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: that did evolve a bit over time. I, I do see a change here, Jamie. Um, in our case, uh, I remember 2018, there was a lot of enthusiasm by, at least in Hong Kong, I'm not sure how it was in Singapore, at the time, because we, we only made it there the year after, but that went on there the same. It was a lot of enthusiasm about innovation. Mm-hmm. And every bank had their innovation department or their whole innovation floor, and they decked it out like a WeWork. Right. Uh, and they, they tried to, to like get people in touch and, and try to incorporate new tech uh, from outside. That was a good starting point, but it um, came up against a good few barriers in the organizations. These um, innovation departments often were isolated. They were not connected so much to the rest of the organization. And while they try to make it easier to enter into contracts and all that, they couldn't really get past the usual procurement, uh, compliance, and so on barriers that that were in banks. So I think they disappointed a bit in, in the latter years.
0: Um, I think also uh, we couldn't. Yeah, a lot of these institutions didn't really understand it. You know, I remember going in to visit some of these banks. You know, let's call it the early days of Digfin, and uh, you know, you go into one floor, and it's it's people in hoodies and sneakers. Yes, and and funny logos and pictures on the walls and stuff but they're all just basically like api monkeys type 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 and um and then you go to the next floor because maybe i want to meet the, the head of the you know the the lending business or something and you know it's it's a it's a wall of suits and ties and uh and chanel tops and you know and it's you know super traditional and there's no funky artwork you know <laughs> it was all like so and clearly there was, there's no connection
2: right that's the do. point
0: that's the point it was not yes. like there was a, a seamless uh, culture, but is that, is that changing? Jacqueline, you were nodding a lot to Klaus's thing. Do you, do you think it's getting easier for fintechs to, you know, work their way through these, these giant, very uh, old institutions?
1: Well, honestly, I think tier one is a challenge, long sales cycle, right. Um, you know, complex organization to navigate through. Right. But I guess we were fortunate because one of our very early clients was a was a GSIB, a globally systemically important bank. And uh, that kind of, you know, set us actually on a stage whereby we had to decide whether we are still going to play there. I think today our strategy very much is, I think our c spot is what we call the mates. So for example, like leading national banks, you know, like the one that Klaus just won. I right. think those are the kind of uh, institutions that actually are our sweet spot, right? But we have the opportunity to go upwards because just because you know we have that, we have that G-SIP client and the experience, and that makes our our solution right fit for purpose for a, a tier one, right? But whether we want to play there, we are opportunistic and we actually go through a partnership model. Right. And dealing with them is a challenge. But once you get the hang and they trust you, right, there's actually a lot of work to be done within these banks. Data is mm-hmm. a common issue, right? It's an mm-hmm. everyday issue. I see Klaus rolling his eyes, you know. And um there's a lot of work that and value that a rec tech like ourselves, who are with our practitioner background, right? Understanding the process, the pain points, and having been from the industry, right, can bring to the table. Yeah. And they recognize yeah. So
2: once Jackson you- said it.
0: Yeah. We'll well, get, once sorry. you
2: get the hang, yeah, that's that's the the thing. I don't think the industry changed so much, but Jacqueline and I changed. We learned <laughs> right. how to deal you, with that. You, re- you um, learn how to
0: and, and, conform to what the
2: clients need. After a few years, y- y- you do get the hang of it. Uh, nonetheless, the industry did change a bit. There was COVID, and that pushed a lot of issues. Uh, From the innovation departments were no longer that important because you couldn't play in the Nice, we were decked out spaces right. and you couldn't really meet with them, but the need for remote onboarding, for example, or regulatory reporting was still there, uh, even more so in, in some ways. And um, so deals were done and things were pushed forward in, uh, in a regular manner. I think during COVID, um, banks, I, in, in, in my view, learned to be a bit more flexible. Because they just had to for a while. And that's still ongoing. Uh, so for, for us, that that really worked. Yeah. Uh, and we got our first tier one in uh in December 2020, like in the middle of it. Right. Uh, and then from there on it it went on. It was it was good good time actually.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, and afterwards, um, the ups and downs of the funding market and the economy, that's kind of a separate issue. I agree with Jacqueline there as well. Rec tech is kind of insulated from that. Uh, on the upside, uh, our our tech use is pushed by everybody wanting to be the most modern and so on. Um, on the downslope when it when it's a bit harder, uh, the economies work for us. Uh, the automation helps um not having to invest in more staff because you can't, uh, that sort of thing. So that that up and down didn't matter so much for us, even though it happened.
0: So I'd like mind to ask funding
2: for ourselves is different business.
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would I, w- I wouldn't mind touching on the the VC funding side, but before I get in there, class, you know, Jacqueline had mentioned there's once you're in, there's a lot of work to do, um, and uh, and you also class sort of referenced the sort of the evergreen nature of of reg tech today. Yeah. Um When you when your organizations get inside a, a large financial institution, client, uh, you you come in there because you've got a particular expertise. Um, are you finding that whether it's through the evolution of technology itself, the way that artificial intelligence and software is, is moving or the, the demands you get once you are a trusted FinTech that you're called upon to do other types of things outside of what it just says on the tin? Um, so is it land and expand or is it stay in and just go drill down and just find more clients and drill down into those doing the same thing? Mm.
1: It's a little bit of both, right? So mm. I think we- Oh, but because we are talking to compliance and regulatory teams within a financial institution, it gives us, like I said earlier, you know, the, uh, an insight into the future and what they are struggling with. So at one point it was ESG, right? That's kind of quietened a little bit now. Maybe it's very politicized in the US, you know, and I think Europe is struggling with other things like inflation, et cetera, right? So um, I think land expand definitely and to get a bigger share of the wallet in terms of the actual work we are doing with the solution, the incumbent solution, but also it allows us, you know, um, opportunities to use our platform for other stuff. So, for example, uh, Tier 1 did ask us recently, um, how about using our platform for monitoring cyber changes, cyber regulations changes? Are you able to do that? Are you able to look at our policies and, you know, match them against the change in regs and tell us where the gaps are? Right. So this is a POC that we are kind of like in the midst of discussing. And these are real opportunities that come our way, right? For example, when we deal with an insurance company, they could have ESG reporting requirements that are that may not be that complicated, right, compared to an asset manager, for yeah. example. Yeah. And uh, we, we can come in and serve that space, right, if that's where we want to play. So in in the way we run our business we actually cultivate partnerships because we understand what our clients want and we are trusted right and we and because we were we were previously in their shoes right we have the capability to evaluate um, other vendors right okay. and to decide you know how we can partner and bring some of these value add for them
0: right so you may not be able to do everything yourself but you can help them find the right other fintechs or other tech or other providers of, of some sort that can that can fill in those gaps. Um, Klaus, do you get to a point where you can get a little ahead of your skis with this sort of thing?
2: Yeah. <laughs> all the time, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a funny journey, actually, uh, in, in in the tech. We, you start out as, as a very young company, and all you have going for yourself is innovation. You have the tech. You have the new stuff. Uh, yeah. The traditional vendors in the financial institutions don't. Uh, so that's why they look at you. And um, But you're not trusted your your word i think puts it like perfectly on the spot trusted fintech it's a bit of is a problematic term because you want to keep that edge of uh, being an innovative and having the latest um, while at some point you also need that trust to get into bigger shares of a company uh, wallets and that is land and expand we we see that duality all the time and by now I I didn't think that when, when we started. Uh, I thought it would be uh, ever more ever more uh, customers and we have always the latest and that's what we bring to the table. but by now we're also a lot more trusted and as a trusted technology partner we can help financial institutions a lot and that's what they're looking for actually they're, they're not looking just for the latest. Um, they look uh, to something they can trust in, and they know yeah. they won't be let down.
0: There's there's trusted partner, but the, the way that AI is evolving into generative AI, yeah. now the tech itself is not trusted. Um, but everybody's very interested in this. Uh, so I'd like to ask, uh, is gen AI having an impact on what you do? Is it is it relevant to what you do? Uh, what's that discussion like? Jacqueline, you want to have a go at that?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, Gen AI is definitely a big talking point, right? And many financial institutions are making plans or already experimenting with it, just as they were with blockchain a couple of years ago. And though we are seeing Using, uh, you know, range of use cases, I think a lot of them are still efficiency plays, you know, allowing compliance and the reg teams to do more in a quicker manner. Right? The main issue with Gen AI and RegTech, right, really honestly, is, is that in RegTag, you need to be very precise. Right? So when a regulator comes knocking, right, a, a financial institution needs to have that confidence to be able to, to explain the model and why you know, they provided that output or report the way they did. And we are, although we are beginning to see more explainable AI, I think, honestly, AI is still doing a lot of, playing a lot of catch-up in many of the areas, right? Just take for example. You know, they have to keep up with scammers if they are doing it. It's a fraud AI, right? A fraud detection AI. And these scammers are, are continually, right, at an increasing pace, changing the, their tactics. Can AI really keep up? I think AI will be a step behind, from my personal view. And I think, you know, because of that in tech, right? the human expertise or the human expert in the loop is still very much needed, right? Um, and can't be, you, you can't do without it, right? I, I'll give an example. So Gen AI may be very good at summarizing a 200 page regulatory report or document, but it will still take an expert, right? To read through it, to understand what it needs and to assess the impact and the actions that need to be taken.
0: Right, because when you file something to the regulator, that's got to be 100%. Yes. Yeah. It's got to be,
1: yes. Right. Or oh, you and might be on- fine. Yeah,
0: and and Klaus, on your end, if you're onboarding a customer, um, I guess you're not really responsible for the decision whether or not to onboard them, right? That credit decision would be up to the, the bank or whomever, but... Um, Same as know. with Jacqueline. Yeah. There has to be the human element in there, absolutely. Um, as I
2: see it, the the technology always works in these cycles. At so the beginning, there's there's a lot of hype. Uh, then there's the um, realization that there are risks built into the technologies. Um, then there's a more systematic approach. Uh, and, and finally, there's there's broad adoption. We've seen this a number of times before. We've used AI, like traditional AI, uh, machine learning mm. uh, for data extraction and categorization of, for example, the, the, the difficult problem is this name, this, this shareholder name, a company or is it a person? That's mm. actually, uh, we've used AI for that for, for a number of years. Um, and then cloud technology in the first place, that's a, that's a similar uh, curve there. At the beginning, um, nobody in, in the banks would want to touch it. Then everybody wanted it because of the scalability and, and the prices and, and all that. Uh, then they uh, came up with elaborate frameworks, uh, how to make it safe. And now everybody is using it. Um, so I I'd see the same thing happening with AI Generative AI, just as traditional AI, needs to be sure what's the training data, um, how can I explain the results, and um, how can I have human oversight. But if you use it in specific areas, then it can be absolutely transforming. That is like there's a lot of of enthusiasm and fantasy now in in, uh, the space. We're all experimenting with stuff. Uh, In our case, for example, one of the biggest challenges is understanding control of a company. Now, control is shareholders and uh, controlling entities as in directors, uh, but um, it can be complicated if there are provisions in the articles of association, the very contract that the company formed is formed upon. And that is a free text document. You couldn't at scale analyze these before. Now you can. You can pick through a 70-page uh, memorandum of association and find various share classes where are different voting rights and you can flag that to a person then. You, you might not be able to automate everything, but just that is, is an amazing uh, move forward. Another one would be, uh, think about adverse media. Uh, I remember um, learning about how a large Hong Kong bank actually does adverse media in Google. They Google the name, and, and then in quotes, a long string of adverse keywords like fraud and money laundering and so on. Um, and then they look through the results. Now you can have hundreds of results. Where do you stop? And I had two different answers. In an in insurance sector, someone said, we stop at two hours. We don't go over two hour mark for one customer. And uh, in a bank, they said, we, step, we stop after page two of Google. Um, now you can do this at scale. Because the problem always was, is the mentioning of that name on that page uh, related to that negative news page? Or is it just adjunct? Is it another articles on the same newspaper website, just on the same overview page, that sort of thing? You can do this at scale. So You can watch wider net and can automate uh, one of the, the biggest problems there. Yeah, um, I think there's
0: there's
2: amazing possibilities now.
0: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about um, as we come toward toward the end of our our talk. Uh, I'd like to talk about 2024 and the way the regulations are moving. What to expect? Um, you know, what are going to be one or two big things that you are keeping your eye on, uh, particularly in the um, the Asia Pac region that's going to be relevant to financial institutions doing compliance. Jacqueline, uh, ant- one or two big trends that you think are going to be dominating the reg tech situation this year?
1: Um, I don't know. I guess maybe we're very fundamental people, right? I mean, the way we look at trends is that um, it's the same trends uh, that's basically driving reg tech adoption uh, over the years, right? The fact that regulators are asking for more and more from more and more data from regulated entities, right? At more granular levels and higher frequency. So, one example would be we are seeing regulators, you right, asking banks to submit now their loan book at the cologne level, right? Instead of at an aggregated level in the past. So, to do this at a higher frequency, providing more data and granularity, you really need to leverage technology, mm-hmm. right? There is always new technology, uh, new regulations around the corner, for example, regs for ESG for Web3, right? And for us as a company, I think we're most interested really in the problems that are faced by our clients, right? So yeah. we we have a variety of solutions starting from uh, shareholding disclosure and into the ESG, cybersecurity, even the REC data management space, right? Because data has always been a, co- a you know, a key component, right, of all, all these reporting requirements.
0: Yeah. Are there and- any? Big data laws coming on the horizon in any markets in this region that will have a big effect on what you do or what your clients can do?
1: Yeah, so I think ESG is one area where we are seeing there are so many different frameworks to adhere to, and some new regulations are coming into play. For example, in Australia, in Singapore, right, the MES is already requiring regulated entities to make disclosures, right? And of course, ESG SGX for listed entities, and we are also seeing, right, um, some regimes right outside Asia, for example, in the US, where you know the shareholder shareholder regs have not been changed for decades, right? And are starting to and we're seeing changes for the first time after many, many years. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. A real mixed bag there. Klaus, any any big trends you want to add to what Jacqueline outlined?
2: I agree with Jacqueline that it's broadly supportive. It's really good. There's no lessening of regulation and it won't be. Um and if you think about it, like making ever more strict AML regulation and reporting regulation, the only way out really is automation and, and using tech, uh, because that will lessen the impact or even uh, completely reduce the impact on the financial institutions and their customers. I see um, with great pleasure that HKMA is super supportive of a rec tech. They have their Rec Tech Days events, mm-hmm. and they have a Data Summit, and uh, genuinely try to encourage their uh, authorized institution at any point in time uh, to to use more technology to make it more scalable. That's that's very good. I see that in MAS as well. Um, I see MAS will uh, broaden the net of um, anti money laundering regulations to more sectors. We've seen that in Europe before. In Europe, for example. ART purchases over uh, €10,000 are covered by AML laws. You now need to uh, identify the seller and the buyer. Um, After the $3 billion uh, Singapore anti-money laundering or money laundering case there in Singapore, that's still ongoing. That's incredibly uh, juicy there. Everybody is following it. Um, They are now thinking about introducing regulations for high-end car dealers and uh, watches and... I don't know. Maybe even handbags. Yeah. Uh, that would be hard, Jacqueline, wouldn't it be? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we see the same thing happened before in in, a, a, in the EU uh, with um, the institution of uh, the AML uh, regulations number six there. And um, what I what I'm watching in, in regulation, what I think is very interesting, is the trend to CBDCs. So mm-hmm. those experiments with central bank issued uh, digital currencies, they presuppose one thing uh, because they are uh, inherently very different from the freewheeling Bitcoin, Ether, right. uh, and so on. Um,
0: uh, like this is anarcho- sovereign money, in a regulated institution. Yes. Not, uh, in a, it's, not it's some, it's it's uh, no wildcat operator. What they
2: presuppose is identity,
0: mm-hmm. because
2: you do need to tie um, the, those coins. Uh, to a person or a, uh, a company. So you need to d- get digital identity right, which is r- super interesting for us uh, in, yeah. in this space. So I'm, yeah. I'll be watching that very closely.
0: Great. Well, that's all uh, stuff that I'm sure we'll be talking about and in my case, writing about uh, over the, the coming year. Uh, last thing I want to hit on with with you folks is uh, we, had, we had touched on it, but I, I steered this away at the time, but uh, as as founders um, with The funding, uh, it's been a tough environment for funding, but as as Klaus mentioned, you know, you guys are sort of in an evergreen space, so you're not riding wild hype cycles. Um, But uh, talk a little bit about where you're at in terms of what kind of runway do you need in this kind of environment, um, because obviously onboarding with with these large institutions, long, long B2B sales cycles uh, can be tough. Um, And also now that you're both, you know, you're both getting to a maybe midpoint of a startup's life uh, as startups, um, you know, are you starting to think about exits? So maybe um, Klaus, you want to start off with this one? We'll wrap it with Jacqueline.
2: I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to start with the exit. (laughs) (laughs) As a a founder, I'm having too much fun, actually.
0: Okay. Well, that's good. But still, but you've got, you know, people need to get paid. So, um, so what what do you see as that? Absolutely.
2: in in a in a way if you buy into the whole startup journey you at some point need to make a decision do i take outside funding or not at all Uh, if you can avoid it that's great um usually in especially in a space where you have such a big difference between your own size and culture and the the customers and the um, sales cycle being so long Oh, and the technology being being uh, having to be developed is, is quite substantial and uh, has to be perfect to have a chance in a market. That means you do need capital. I don't know how it is for Jacqueline. We did take outside capital, uh, modest amount, but it also means uh, we're on track uh, to uh, do an exit at some point and uh, to have further capital injections. Now, last year, was the low point as we all know Uh, valuations collapsed all over and a lot of people got filtered out of the market entirely dropped out Um, fortunately we were able to keep afloat and keep uh, going to profitability and i think that's what most people are doing right now and uh, kind of looking forward to the time when um, the funding environment is better and allows you to scale easier because that is something that we're looking at. You're right. We're at that point in our company history now. Um, going on organically is possible, but um, we now know what to do with funds. And uh, we could deploy them uh, and and make a lot of money in the process for the investors. So it does make sense, and the pressure is growing to to take on more funding.
0: Jacqueline, how, what about RTS?
1: So I think, um, uh, you know, talking about exits, I think we are always thinking of an exit. <laughs> you have to, right? I mean, this is practical because that's what your investors would be thinking of as well, yeah. right? How you exit and when you would exit and how much you would exit at, right? So that's always a big question that's always on our minds. And we do have some, you know, some, some uh, simple answers that we have ourselves. But I think uh, mainly from a capital point of view, I think we are still at the stage where we need capital to grow. Right. And I hope that um in the with the fact that we've we have amassed quite a few very good names, right, we will be able to actually close our deals a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think in our area of um regulatory um expertise, right, it is an area that's very deep and there are a few competitors. So if there's a need, right, and we've been fortunate we've won against our competitors who are much bigger, much older, right, in this space. So uh, and because it's multi-jurisdictional and the rules are broad and deep, right? They're very the the bar to entry is high. It's very difficult for newbies to come into our space, right? And I think that um, land and expand is going to be important for us because you know that's the way to basically naturally provide capital for your business to grow, right? And I think at some point when we hit that, hopefully that the. Uh, J curve, I say, right? Because <laughs> uh-huh. I think red is a yeah, it's a it's a very niche play, especially where we are. Yeah, we'd be happy to let it go, right? But meanwhile, like uh, what Klaus said, I think it's important to have fun on the journey, to do meaningful work, right? And for us, I think we'll never really leave the red tech space because there's still a lot to be done. So even selling out, right? We'll probably take a break, you know spend a few months on the beach and come back to the home because there's really a lot to be done in this area. And there's a lot of fun to be had because, you know, this is such a it's such a deep and broad area, right? We learn every day. I'm sure it's the same for us, right? Not just about technology, but even about the wrecks themselves. That's why we are seeing... And that- yourself. Yes, and ourselves. It's been a... I have to say it's been a, a great adventure. There were moments where it was really tough, right? No kidding if I had known there would be those moments, maybe I would have never started, to be honest. Same here. Yeah. But and I can do that as
0: well. <laughs> Digital was a startup too.
1: Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm go. grateful to be on this journey. And I think um, you know, people in the industry, um, you know, I mean, I was on the buy side in the industry and then I became a vendor in the in the industry. But today I think my clients trust me, right? Because I know what I'm talking about and I've been in their shoes. Right, so we, we don't take this um, this trust lightly, you know, it's, it's not just for the company, right, it's also for yourself because you're from the industry I want to leave it, and when we leave it, we want to leave it with a good name. I think you know for us Asian, right, the name is very important. It's basically our legacy.
0: Great. I think we're going to end it there. Um, I want, I'm happy to have taken a little extra, normally we do a half hour. I went a little long because we've got two of you and I wanted to make sure we got a chance for both of you to share your stories. I'm very glad we did that. Uh, So it just leaves me to say to Jacqueline Pang and Klaus Christensen, thank you so much for joining me on Ditchfin Vox. Thank you for
1: having us.
2: Thanks Jamie and thanks Jacqueline. That was wonderful. That was a really good uh, chat here. Thanks for that.